0: The subject for the evening talk is Beyond Personality. When we come into a situation as we have here, we have we are collectively emphasising the bare attention to the bare actuality. And within the context of being here, we have, by and large, outwardly at least, put aside or discarded much of what gives us an op- opportunity in vi- to, shall we say, show our personality. And <clears throat> it's as though, and in fact, that the, the silence and the predominant absence of communication doesn't give too much opportunity for us to generate outwardly the kind of personality that we have, the kind of public persona that we put out. And so the, the bare attention in the, and the silence itself brings to some degree a commonality to the event that's going on here. A commonality in that one of the common factors that we share is that we don't actually no, very much, if at all, anything about anybody else. We may not have spoken to that person at all, never set eyes on most of the, and possibly all, of the other human beings sitting in the room. We haven't got any kind of reference point. You don't know their nationality, what their upbringing was like, their schooling, their experience, what they like, what they dislike. All that contributes to making up and giving form and appearance to personality. We may... When we look at somebody, or when we hear them, get, shall we say, intimations of their personality. You know, one person is in the... always likes to be in the very front of the uh, food line, and the person has a healthy uh, appetite, and one forms all sorts of views and opinions about their personality. And somebody else uh, always um, opens the door and, and the silence insists that oneself walks through first that they come, come last. And one intimates are certain personality factors or trends or, or patterns. One person is moving in the room and another person looks like a, a a lump of rock and, and, and all of this implies through the way we perceive something about that person's personality in that moment but there's in the totality and I think this is very useful to really be aware of in the totality of it there's not too much outward going on and if we had a different kind of situation and as someone uh, pointed out over the weekend in which there was a lot more outer expression a lot more verbalizing then what we would begin to know about other people and about ourselves would be through the mode of the personality and we find that when we're in a role when we're in a communication with an individual or with a with a few people, we put on these different hats. And some people like to play the the authority and uh, the uh, the leader and the knower and the one who's had the experiences and the insight. And someone else likes to play the forceful person. And another person likes to play... The one who doesn't know anything and is useless, and another person likes to be the fearful person, another person likes to be the, the caring and the compassionate, and some like to see fragmentation, and others like to see everything going very nicely and don't rock the boat, thank you very much. And all of this through the modes of the varying personalities which you and I experience, which we see outwardly and we see inwardly, gives um, reality through the movement to the whole idea of personality. And sometimes in our everyday situation, we get very much locked in to the condition of our persona, of how we are to the world around us or how we are our personality how we think about ourselves and sometimes when we're really locked into it then we feel oh my goodness me I've really got to do something about my personality I'm just not getting what I want from it or uh, uh, whatever, I'm, whatever I'm doing it just it seems to rub people up the r- wrong way or I seem to be far too timid to ask anybody anything, or all those kind of scenarios that we go through when we say, something's wrong with my personality. And then we may embark on some kind of course, or programme, or activity, to try to improve it. And we... No, and we may have experienced, either in the past or present or whatever, different modes of self-improvement. My personality is like this, and if I do this, 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 and this, then there will be changes. I will like these changes. I'll feel better about it. Perhaps other people will feel better about me, and everything will be hunky-dory great, I've got it just as I would like it to be. And for some, that comes out of r- real necessity. Necessity meaning, I think necessity is determined by the amount of suffering one that one has. How much suffering is the personality structure giving to consciousness? If the personality structure is... Giving a tremendous amount of suffering to consciousness, then one's got to address that. one can't just i think go on ignoring that. one's got to see what's actually going on within the structure of it within the formation, which is all that it is, that seems to bring about an entanglement and a kind of pain and dissatisfaction and and unrest, and so then making steps to work with the personality formation is quite useful and quite appropriate. And we might say that some, some forms of meditation, some forms of community life, some forms of psychotherapy and body work and releasing and all manner of modes have, as some motivation behind, to really change something about this persona that we have and we experience. So one of the questions that we might ask ourselves, and when we observe our personality, is there something within the context of our persona, privately or publicly, which we sense we actually need to address, that we need need to actually implement and bring about changes in. And we might say that when we are aware of something within the personality structure, which requires some specific change, and and I think specific change is Related to suffering, I think suffering is the measure, suffering is kind of nature's signal to us something's not in balance, something's not in order, in harmony. And I mentioned that very specifically change and suffering. But one of, incidentally, one of uh, the Buddha's uh, insights of these two the relationship in that sometimes. We experience in ourselves a kind of situation where we see somebody else is in a particular way. This person is very, what should we say, creative, or very extroverted, or very solid, or very articulate, or very mindful, or whatever. And we then look at this person, we see all these wonderful, fulfilled qualities in this human being and it wasn't, the fact that we weren't really especially creative or especially magnetic or especially influential didn't bother us we were just, you know our personality is just who it is and we're just what it is and that's how it is and then we start comparing and, and so things didn't cause us suffering, it wasn't really painful And we saying, wow, he or she or they, they got so much more than me. And then the poor little personality structure feels terribly deprived <laughs> because somebody else has got some, something, some factor in their personality structure which one hasn't actually got in one's own. So we don't, sometimes we don't start off missing something. But when we grasp onto something outside in another, then we can really start missing something. Let me give you a, a small um, example. Um, how sometimes I am uh, perceived Uh from time to time, with regard to the retreats in different places, I um, work with other other teachers, and some of those some of the teachers work what we, would say as, uh, independent Dharma teachers, and some of the teachers uh, regard themselves and are re- regarded um, as assistant teachers. Now, in speaking, let us say in um, public speaking, now for some people, and uh, I happen to be uh, one, one of them, do not find it difficult to ramble on, on a theme, for 45 minutes, <laughs> one hour, two hours, all day, all night. It's, you know, it's, it's simple... And it's easy, and it's as easy as describing. Oh, there's a carpet. There's a microphone. There's a zabutan, There's a group of people. Mm-hmm. And what has happened? Sometimes, is some of the uh, teachers or assistant teachers, they say, "When oh, Christopher, uh, um, for me to get a talk together on oh, no. a topic or a theme, I have to spend a fortnight writing it out." thinking about it, preparing it, getting it getting it ready. Or I had to spend days to put the material together. And really I don't you seem to it seems to be effortless. You know, it seems to be so easy for you. And for me it's just like it's one a lot of work. And besides, and, and then it goes from there. And then it goes the next step is besides, well Christopher it seems so effortless for you. Why don't you give the talk? And um yes. <laughs> You know, and, and besides, you're a better speaker than I am. And then people, actually, they come to listen to you. And they don't want to hear. I've got nothing important to say anyway. And, da, 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 da. My and the person didn't start off suffering because, they, um, because of not being experienced to be able to speak for 45 minutes or feeling unsatisfactory or difficult. But it began, when they began, in this case, to perceive person Christopher in a particular way, and then the comparing began, and then the unrest began. And I remember one very good, I shall mention the person's um, name, they may not want to work with me again if I do, so I won't give them the tape either, but um, in one, one person was quite reluctant and resistant to speak. So I had to uh, elbow this person into do it, doing it. And the person gave the talk, it was the first, it was a hundred people on the retreat, first time the person, you see, I'm very careful not saying the gender. <laughs> anyway, so the person said, well I've never spoken to a hundred people before, you know, I'll, I might just fall apart after five or 10 Minutes And I said to the person, look, I won't sit right in front of you and just keep shaking my head and say, oh, my God, no. (laughs) (laughs) Like this, I won't put on any melodramatics. As it happened, the person gave an excellent talk, used, which is invaluable, the resource of uh, the notes and so so forth, and said at the very beginning of the talk, look, I'm just not used to speaking to this number of uh, people so there's all the fear the apprehension the nervousness that I can't do this born out of lots of factors one of them being uh, the comparing mind and lo and behold this person at the end of the talk that evening uh, here we have a notice board this person received more notes of appreciation for the content of this talk than I have had, I think, in giving 5,000 talks. <laughs> so, so, sometimes we have this, this image and this idea about our personality which inhibits us from stretching ourselves, from taking ourselves a little bit further. And so some of the areas in our life, in terms of personality, structure and formation, I think which contributes to making the difference is, or oh, it comes down to, is there the willingness to take risks? Now some situations, and like some of us, talking, there's absolutely no risk in taking any risk in talking, it's, you know, it's familiar, so familiar. You know, I'm surprised sometimes when I'm at home in the evening that at 7.15 in the evening I don't just sit down cross-legged <laughs> and give a lecture to my daughter, but anyway. And other areas in one's life are taking a risk. All of this brings about, within the personality structure, certain kinds of shift. But that's only one, one approach. And then there are other people, human beings, who are not, fundamentally and basically, just not that way inclined. Not inclined towards, which we call, being extrovert, or being public, or being this, or being that, or whatever. And if there is no comparing and judging going on, if one's in touch with oneself, clearly and directly, then that sense of, well, this is the way this personality, whoever the person is, this personality is formed, is structured, is made, and I think there's a lot of pressure, both which we internalise and from the world, to somehow make ourselves something which we are actually not. And it causes an enormous amount of pain. It's, it's like trying to stop the, the river. And so when we speak of what we call self-knowledge, which means personality knowledge, then when we speak of that, I and mean when we do know ourselves, we begin to get a sense of risk-taking, making shift, and... Acknowledgement of what the personality is, or what we would call in ordinary language, who we are. And we begin to get a sense within that, that at times implementation of change and stretching the personality is valuable, and equally at times it's quite appropriate to say, this is how I am. I don't need to change. I don't need to make myself different from what I am. And if how we are isn't causing, bringing about suffering in our life, then I I think that's really well worth recognizing and really well worth acknowledging. (laughs) And all all of that we might say and we might describe there as the relationship to the totality of what we call personality. In that, as I say, with the bare attention and the bare events which are taking place, as I mentioned earlier on, sometimes with our friends and with family and with people who we have a, a frequency of contact with, one has the sense sometimes that one actually does know somebody. And I actually have a doubt. What I, what I mean by that, I, frequently when we look at the world of people and we make a very simple division between people, one of them is I know you and I don't know you. I know you very well because I spend this amount of time with you, and I don't know you very well because I haven't had contact. I don't know how, what your personality is like, what your patterns are like, what your history of like, what, what influences you. And then sometimes this then feeds itself into the kind of the spiritual world. Someone I gave a talk um, recently at uh, Sharpen And a person, (coughs) one of the people at the talk, came up to me afterwards and said, "Um, Christopher, could I um, make an appointment, make a time just to see you? And I said, yes, sure. So at home, in Totnes, I keep the afternoon times for um, meeting with people on the one-to-one. And the person said, came round, and the question which was on her mind was, how can we know an enlightened person? How can we know this? And when I h- hear this question, which of course one hears quite uh, frequently, um, I get a reminder, in fact, of the, the, what the Buddha had responded. And he, when he was dying, this was in Kushinagar. This is in, um, in uh, India. And it was, uh, it seems, I'm not quite sure what the death, he was 80 years old, and it may have been through um, some, uh, eating some poisonous plant or something, some mushroom, poison mushroom or something. And someone came to Ananda, who was attending to the Buddha under this tree on his uh, deathbed. and said, look, I really have a very important question I really have to ask you when troubling me is bothering on my mind. Um, the question we want to ask you, you know, how does one know an enlightened person, whatever this concept of enlightenment And the Buddha and it's the last question the Buddha was asked of his life. And his response to this was actually don't concern, don't worry, don't be bothered. Don't concern yourself with this kind of question about somebody and instead he said live with sati patana this is the sati means awareness mindfulness and patana it means the foundations the, 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 the basis for awareness and the basis for awareness is body breath and body the feelings and the emotions, second. Third, the realm of mental states and the expression and thought. And fourthly, Dharma, the relationship to the world. So, in other words, don't concern yourself about what the state of this person is and that person is and whether they are this or whether they are that. But to live with a direct awareness. This is the essential message which he... So this person came round, as I mentioned, and uh, asked this question. And I think one of the important things to uh, note with this question is that sometimes in our relationship to the world, it's as though we lose faith in our being. And then we transfer very easily outside. So we want to say, well I know where he is. I want to know where she, they are at. And that's and it occurs spiritually and it occurs socially and so forth. And sometimes we think we know somebody else. And I have a doubt. I have a doubt, and actually, I regard it as a healthy doubt, because we split the world up, someone I know, or someone who's like this, and others who are not like this, and I wonder, actually, whether we ever really know anybody. We may think we do. And generally speaking, the criteria for thinking we do is the amount of time we have spent with somebody. So if we spent, and and, and I think it's very important measure spiritually, if, if I may say as well, one can never go on meeting someone in the spiritual world on a particular impression formed out of a weekend, a few evenings, a... Uh, a few retreats, a specialized situation. You can never judge where anybody is at through that measure. Because in those particular times, he or she or they is putting on their best act, aren't they? They want to make a very good spiritual I- impression of clarity and holiness and all those other funny concepts. And if one does know anyone, one's got to know when speaking of knowing somebody through countless situations day in, day out week in, week out year in, year out then one can say perhaps when I've been with this person I've been associated with this person for through many countless situations I think spiritually we're frequently very, very vulnerable and in our to being impressionable, almost like children, and when we are impressionable, we what we see is personality. That's what we see. We see personality. We see charisma. We see. Um, Appearances. We 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 see the outer, and I'm not quite sure whether that's appropriate way of seeing. And so, one, one might say there, <coughs> therein, that if we are willing to say, I'm not going to be concerned with personality. Just not going to be preoccupied with this phenomena as it shows itself in what one calls oneself. Or as it actually shows itself in what is called another. And if we just sense the context of just a personality showing itself just making manifest. And if we really see it as that, whether we call my personality, and my is just another label, or the personality of him or her or another, and just see in that way, perhaps there is an opportunity for... A liberated way of seeing. And a liberated way of seeing doesn't keep making all of these divisions. Doesn't live in this separateness of I know him, I know her, I don't know him, I don't know her. Doesn't keep living in this Ones who have it and ones who don't and ones who enlighten them and ones who aren't This is all mumbo, religious mumbo-jumbo It's all living as children spiritual children So in just... Sensing, there's the personality structure changing, constantly changing one can never know, never have any guarantees as how it may manifest tomorrow. One never has any assurance that that person that you think you know tomorrow may say, actually, goodbye. <laughs> and you thought, I, I thought I knew this person. I thought this person was reliable. This person was, was dependent on me this person's personality really needed me, or really, or really supported me. I thought we were together, or whatever. And this is we just looking at personality, and we forget the extraordinary diversity of conditions that make a personality together. Too far spread for you and I ever to comprehend. So maybe just there's just that simple recognition. Personality is personality, manifesting like this, manifesting as self, manifesting as other. And and there's just that interactivity going on. And freedom is much is is close, is immediate. And that's where this the silence and the, and the stillness and the meditativeness and the, and the, the atmosphere in the mornings, in the daytimes, in, in the evenings in which there's not too much personality going on. We're not in competition with each other. We're not struggling with each other. We're not acting out our peculiar little roles with regard to somebody else. And when it does happen, which it does, when it does happen, it tends to stand out of the silence. sees, see, it's just the personality in the way that it's forming in this moment, in this situation, in this cue, in this whatever it might be. So, you know, waking up, that is quite like that, there is a being beyond personality. Being beyond the personality of self and other. And that being beyond personality with the expensiveness and the freedom is that that's what we see. Understand? When we're preoccupied and wrapped up in the personality of my personality and how I am and how I'm coming across and what people think of me, etc., when we're wrapped up in that, then when we, as it were, open our eyes and we look out, that's what we see out there. That's what we address. We, we talk to the personality. We're preoccupied with that personality and how that personality is fitting in with my personality. But if it's just this phenomenon, extraordinary phenomenon that's going on, personality through the various roles here and there and we just see that then we address something which is beyond personality which is so fundamental to that human being as much as it is fundamental to this human being who is opposite one it's fundamental so to speak to oneself as it is to another and so the differences really don't really count for anything. And so the communication and the, the language and the sharing... is, as it were, comes from that beyond personality and addresses that beyond personality. And I don't think we have to struggle and work hard and think of, think of time and progress and going along, as it were. I think the sense of that is very immediate. I think the silence just keeps revealing it effortlessly and easily. I think the language can keep, like a finger pointing to the moon, keep pointing beyond personality, beyond self beyond birth and death, beyond coming and going, beyond improvement, beyond modifying, beyond making it better. Then there's a connectedness, which no matter what the personality is, can't dissolve. It's an unshakable connectedness. and that connectedness, in that beyond personality, out of that comes affection and friendship and receptivity and That permeates, as it were, the personality Not all the time May all beings See through the personality formations May all beings see through the structures of mind. May all beings abide with a liberating awareness.